Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And I am so grateful that I have guests that that want to be on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And this guy and I have a connection because of my 15 years in the restaurant and food service industry. And he is in that business himself right now. And we were just talking before we got started recording, kind of telling stories. He helps restaurant and retail owners run and grow their businesses successfully, more efficiently, saves them time and money. We're probably going to tell some more stories here from our time together in food service. So if if you if you you know once if you watch the Food Network a lot, you're probably going to like this episode of the Intentional Encourager podcast with my guest Ryan Nicely, who joins me today. Ryan, how you doing? Ryan, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. Doing very very well. Excited about this. You and I were talking before we get started recording, and I'll share this with you. I I was working with a restaurant in Gallipolis, Ohio, right on the Ohio-West Virginia border in Southeast Ohio. And I was working with a guy that was a dentist in that little town. And he had owned the hotel there, really one of the only hotels in town, wanted to open up a restaurant for the traffic to go to his restaurant. And opened the restaurant, and a few months in, his food costs were too high, and he started blaming me. And I said, look, if you had followed the suggestions we gave you in the six months that we were working together to get you open, you wouldn't be in this boat. And I said at that moment, Ryan, ignorance and arrogance are a lethal combination. So let's start here. In what do people not realize about the restaurant business? Because a lot of people just think about the restaurant business, and you and I know it intimately because we've been in it. But what's the most common misconception that people think about the restaurant business of folks that you talk to that that aren't as familiar with it as you are because you work in it day to day? Well, as it relates just to the, I think, the business as a whole, um, I think the the misconception is uh, I like to cook. I'm a pretty good cook. Everybody tells me I'm a good cook, so I'm going to open a restaurant and make lots of money. And and what a lot of those those folks don't understand is that the margins are very thin in a restaurant. And if you don't have your operational procedures down, I mean, locked tight um, from inventory, from, from uh, you know, staffing and payroll to just managing the business and marketing and driving sales, you're going to struggle to succeed. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, that that's a great point because since, since I was in the, and I left the business in 2009 and now the proliferation of all the cooking shows and all the things that you see on the Food Network and the next Food Network star and and things like that. The restaurant business is a hard, hard business. You know, and and I was recruiting kids for a culinary school in Kentucky, and they would say, well, I want to be the next Bobby Flay. And I would say, do you realize how long it took Bobby Flay to get to be a national celebrity chef or an Emerald Lagasse at that time or – you know, anybody that you can think of now, Guy Fieri, uh, anybody that you can think of, man, it took them a super long time to get there. 
What do you think, where do you see the restaurant business going from here? Because the restaurant business has been challenged in 2020 and 2021 like it's never been challenged. I was in the, I was in the business in, in 08 the last time we faced something like this of a, of a, a epic proportion in the restaurant business. But even then, it, it was it was kind of like this. It wasn't the free fall that we're tending to see right now. What do you kind of put your crystal ball hat on? What do you see happening inside the restaurant business the rest of this year and kind of moving forward? How will things change for that industry? Well, you know, what I see happening, obviously, the the, the pandemic has has caused a massive shift in thinking and. Um, everyone has moved or quickly tried to adopt some sort of carry out model, online ordering, a combination of uh, online ordering and curbside pickup and delivery. And um, so I think those things are here to stay. I think the restaurant, restaurateurs and restaurant operations that, that uh, are open to adopting those concepts, um, are going to, that's going to be a part of their business going forward. I think everyone's going to expect to be able to order online, have delivery, do curbside pickup and those sort of things, and not only be able to do it, but it needs to work very, very well and be very, very streamlined and be a great experience. And on the flip side of that, I think the restaurants that really focus on the experience going forward um, are going to be the ones that do very, very well, because I think after this pandemic starts to pass, people are going to want to get out. They're going to want to get back into the restaurants. They're going to want to dine in. And, and um, I know me personally, me and my family, we go out to eat every single weekend. It's the mm -hmm. highlight of our week as a family, because, you know, all the technology's turned off and we have great conversations and great laughs and we make great memories. And because I'm in the restaurant space, we're always kind of critiquing and looking at what's around. But but it's that memory. It's that experience. When you go to a restaurant and you get just a really good vibe and great experience, you're going to come back. If you I go there still, and you don't. I got to interrupt you, man. I got to no, interrupt go you a minute. I still do this. This was an old trick they taught us 25 plus years ago. Uh, when I first got in the in the in the food service business, I still when when sugar and and in the pandemic it hasn't been the case because they brought it to the table, but when the sugar caddies, the little things that that hold the sugar and the Splenda and the sweet and low and things like that, were on the table, I would always pick up a sugar packet because you could tell who they were buying their food from, from that sugar packet. And man, the old habits die hard. I still look at the sugar packets when I'm eating in a restaurant. And I'm, you know, not that I care anymore because I've been so far removed from it. I don't care who they buy from now. It's just a force of habit. But you're right. The technology, you know, restaurants have, you know, now you go to a lot of the chains and they have entertainment on the table. So you can actually pay on the table for your meal. You can be entertained. Um, I went to a restaurant. I went to a sports bar in, in Pigeon Forge about a month or so ago, a little over a month ago when we were down there on vacation, a little getaway weekend, and they had a TV at the table in the mm -hmm. sports bar. And I was literally glancing this way, and 
two feet away from me was the game that I wanted to watch right there at my table. So you're right. The technology has come a long way. What is the one thing that, though, that technology cannot replace in the restaurant experience? Because you mentioned the experience, and, and you're, you're 100% right. The ambiance has to be there. The experience has to be there. But what's the one thing that technology will never replace as far as experience? Well, I think that's a given. I think that's the, the, uh, the customer service factor, right? The, the, the people factor. That server, that bartender, that hostess, uh, that owner that's engaged, um, that can make or break a restaurant, right? I mean, as you said, on a general level, technology, and that's kind of my, my space, is, is important and can be utilized uh, very, very well or very poorly. Uh, but the ambiance doesn't have to be a TV on the table, doesn't have to be a tablet on the table for the kids to play with. Everybody's got phones and so forth. Um, but it's the right music in the background. It's the right environment, the right lighting. And then that person who comes to take your order, that they can make all the difference in the world. Their energy, their, their, uh, you know, their, their service level and, and how they engage with you. Uh, makes makes all the difference, I think, in the world. Ryan, when you when you are, are talking to a restaurant, and I want to I want to stay here for just a minute because I want we're going to give people some you know kind of behind the curtain stuff from from the restaurant business, and I love that. I still I still talk to buddies of mine that are in the business because I I like to stay plugged in to what's going on. You don't spend a lot of Listen, man, I, I grew up in that business. You don't spend 15 years in that business and not still, you know, have have an attachment to it to some degree. And uh, even though I left it, like I said, in 2009, I still am attached to it. So when you are calling on a restaurant for the first time, you're, you're, you're going in to help them. What's the number one thing that you're looking for in that restaurant to say, I think I can help these folks? Well, that's a great question. Um, I do very little what I would call calling on a restaurant. I, I, I almost never walk into a restaurant in the middle of the day uh, trying to get a meeting. But once I do have a conversation with an owner, you know, I, I really ask some questions and try to understand what where their struggles are, what they're having trouble with, right? Is, is it the, you know, from my perspective, is it the POS system just isn't doing what they need it to do? Is it down all the time? Are they not able to get help when they need it? You know, those are some big red flags for me. Um, or if they're really wanting to get a better handle on their inventory, um, you know, do they not have online ordering or are they using, you know, a third party online ordering uh, solution that's charging them a, a very high percentage? You know, I got to I got to jump in there, man, because you and I were <laughs> talking before before that we were started going. I remember the good old days. When everybody was writing the checks and, and the owner would count the checks at night versus what was taken in and, and or the night shift manager. And now everything is done at the touch of a button. You can change orders and things like that. In the old days, you would literally have to tear up a ticket if something was wrong. You tore up the ticket and you would go back and fix it and, and do something else. Literally now, and in some places, the servers have the tablets right there, and they're actually keying in, you know, those those restaurants that are very technologically savvy. The, the your your host your your server is actually 
punching in the order, so to speak, right at the table. And and as she is turning or he is turning to walk away, that order is already in the kitchen starting to be prepared. That's how far we have come with technology in in the restaurant space. Ryan, here's I love what you said there about never calling on a restaurant. Because again, that that's something you would assume you'd say, well, yeah, that's what you do. You call on a restaurant. For you, how did that strategy come to fruition in your mind? And where was that shift that you made to say, I'm not going to call on these people. I'm going to, because I say it in, in people buy from people. The first thing that I say is people buy connection before they ever make a transaction. Mm-hmm. And you just hit on that perfectly. Where was that mind shift? Where did that come from in, in your mind? Well, honestly, I, I was an IT director for 24 years out of college, and uh, sales was something new to me. And, you know, when I first uh, really kind of went solo with Simple Tech, you know, it was all the traditional sales models of, you know, you got to pull 30 doors a day, you're going to get the numbers, you're going to get the appointments. And, and it just wasn't working, and it kind of dawned on me one day. I said, you know, if I truly care about my customers, and I do, uh, I wouldn't be walking into their restaurants in the middle of their day when they're trying to run a business and trying to give them some slick pitch to get them to meet with me, right? Um, It kind of dawned on me that I know there are restaurants in my area that need my services and want my services. So how do I find those people without trying to play this numbers game. I'm not saying it doesn't work for some people. It just doesn't work for me. And you know as well as I do, restaurants are getting so much pressure and and different salespeople coming in probably two to three a day on any given day from various industries. Well, Ryan, it's the magic nickel concept. And it Mm -hmm. was in place when we were, when I was in, in the restaurant business. We were talking to customers about how to capture the magic nickel. So for those that don't understand that concept, for every dollar that restaurant makes, by the time you factor in food cost and labor and all the other expenses, utilities, taxes, everything else that they have to to outlay, if they can make a nickel on every dollar, that's a successful restaurant. And so even even 11, 12 years ago, we were talking then about how to, 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 to your point, because the pressure was always on from, from salespeople, either from food companies or other companies going, I can save you money. I can save you money. Always, I can yeah. save you money. And, and it was never, we always said this, I don't mean to belabor the point. We always said this, that there were a lot of restaurateurs that were walking past dollars to pick up nickels. And, and to your point, that pressure, that constant pressure of driving it down to make that nickel. I Forgive me for jumping in there. I It just, no, you know, having a conversation with you is like stepping back in time, man. I love this. Yeah, hey. yeah, no, it's, 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 it's great though. And, and when I re- realized that I was like really beating myself up about maybe I wasn't a closer or I wasn't a sales shark. Right. But I'm like, wait a minute. I am who I am. I'm honest to a fault. And I really do want to do right by my customers. So I changed that whole model. And and now uh, almost all of my business comes from my connections and referrals, either from 
you know, networking connections or from existing customers who, you know, I've gone above and beyond to help. And, you know, let's just face it, you know, business owners, especially restaurant owners, no other restaurant owners. And, uh, and if you, if you take good care of them, they're going to, they're going to share your name. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's step aside, take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank-featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Sure. Welcome back to the Intentional Encourager podcast here with Ryan Nicely here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Ryan, I want to dive in to your story. You you got an incredible story. Uh, you you mentioned it just a minute ago. Spending twenty four years in the IT industry. So again, you know how the Intentional Encourager podcast works. Take us back from point A to point B. Go back as far as you want to go. I'd love for you to share your story with folks. Sure, sure. So I uh, I started working at a beauty products distributor while I was in college. Second shift, picking orders. Uh, a friend of mine worked there, and it was just an amazing company. This was back in 93, I think, and this company was on the forefront of environmental products and organic, and the aromas were amazing, uh, an up-and-coming company. So one of my friends was working there. He loved it. I was like, man, I got to get a job there. Started working there, second shift, picking orders, you know, bottles of shampoo, makeup. I remember to this day walking through the warehouse with a clipboard, opening the bottles and smelling them as I was picking orders just because it smelled so good. Um, and, and just really uh, excelled at that company. Before long, I, I, I moved up and, and, and started running the distribution center. So we implemented a, a full pick to light warehouse management system. And um, you know, not to bore you with all of that, but was in the distribution space for a long time there, and we distributed. You're, you're speaking my language, man. That's what again. I, I can, I'm having flashbacks here, walking through the warehouses that you know when I when I was a a territory manager. There was sometimes I'd have to go get stuff for a customer, and guys would be busy picking during the day. I'd be like, I'll just go grab it myself, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We had <laughs> back then we had the reps. They would always come in yeah. and they're always like taking stuff or like, Hey, wait a minute. You're messing up inventory. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. We yeah, started reps, always messing up inventory, always man. messing You're up exactly inventory. Right. Yeah. But yeah, we started out picking with a piece of paper and a clipboard. And by the time I kind of moved out of that department, we had systems that would light up and say, you know, pick 12 of these and put three of these in this box and two of these in this box and so forth. Um, so that was a big part of my background and, and really distribution and logistics. And then during that uh, time at that same company, I worked for the same company out of college for 24 years. We opened 12 
retail stores and uh, again selling that particular beauty product and those were in four different states and I was involved in, in all of those uh, those projects really from start to finish from from build out and working with the construction team to installation and hanging cabinets to um, implementing the POS system hiring the staff uh, for for many years I was a a one-man help desk for nine in the morning till nine in the evening, um, taking calls because of the in the retail space they were typically open till about nine o'clock. But that's really where I got into retail uh, is when I implemented the point of sale systems in those twelve retail stores. We actually went through three different POS systems over the years, and it was something that I enjoyed and and I always had sort of the entrepreneurial. Bug and, and that's when I founded Simple Tech was in actually in 2001 to be a, a point of sale software dealer, um, really in the retail space. And uh, I had that company for again since 01, but it was always sort of a, a side thing. And, and I was still a full time employee at the at the company I was working for. And um, you know, time went by, and I continued to uh, have that bug and wanted to wanted to get out and do my own thing. Hey, Ryan, I, I got to jump in here again. I, I got to ask you something here. You, mm -hmm. you mentioned the side hustle. Yeah. That is such a buzzword today is side hustle. And you were starting to do this 20 years ago before side hustles were cool. Yeah, yeah I you, guess so. Yeah, when you think about it, when you think about doing your company, doing Simple Tech on the side, and working a full-time job, what would you say, what would, what would Ryan Nicely in 2021 say to Ryan Nicely in 2001 as this side hustle was coming together? Because the reason I asked that question is a lot of people don't realize they're like, well, wait a minute. I was doing the side hustle thing. I was doing something on the side before it was chic to do stuff on the side. If you could go back and talk to yourself, the guy you are now, the guy you were then, what would be the biggest piece of advice you'd give yourself 20 years ago? Wow, um, that's a great question. Obviously, I've learned a tremendous amount since then. And, you know, back then it was just, I thought I wanted to work for myself. You know, so I thought it was cool to say I had my own company. Um, but now I know that you have to love what you do. You have to really be passionate about it. And uh, I probably, knowing what I know now, and I'm still learning every day, um, I probably would have accelerated everything I was doing and, and not taken 20 years to get to the point that I'm at now, for sure. Um, patience honesty uh, do the right thing i think is always the right thing and do your homework read as much as you can learn as much as you can let's back up there a minute you put two words together that are 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 diametrically opposite acceleration and patience <laughs> i love that I, I i know what you're saying there because I, I i i think i grasp that concept how can acceleration, and, and for those folks that are listening that have their own companies and things like that, 
how do acceleration and patience work together in a company? Because you're, you're right. You have to keep your foot on the gas, but you also can't speed down. I mean, it, it's like driving on the interstate. You can do 70 or 75. You, you have to have the patience, though, to stay in that zone and not worry about other people passing you up, just staying in your lane and being patient. How, can, how do you put acceleration and patience together? Because you use them in the same sentence. How do you put them together? I, I think you, you kind of described it actually pretty well there. But, but to me, maybe um, focused acceleration is a little bit better of a description um, you have to keep moving forward. And what I've learned is that you need to stay focused and get hyper-focused on where you want to go. Make sure you know where you want to go, what that plan is going to be, and, and, and focus your attention on that. And, and previously, I used to kind of go all these different directions where I can get involved in this, or I can get involved in this, or this, or this, or this, and just kind of trying to find something that would stick. Um, but really once I sort of really got hyper-focused on restaurants because I had a passion and used to always want to be my own, own my own restaurant. Um, when I really said, you know, this is what I do and not like this and, you know, all of this other stuff I can do too. Yeah. This is what I want to do. And I want to do it very, very, very well. So that can help with the focus and the acceleration. Um, the patience factor is you have to just be patient and 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 stick to it, like you said. You, you, it's yeah. it's not going to happen overnight. Like you were talking about some of those those you know uh, Emeril Agassi and some of these great chefs and so forth. Really, anybody that you see today that's successful and that's all of a sudden it's like oh they became an overnight success. No, they didn't. Yeah. You don't hear about the 10, 15, 20 years that they grinded and grinded and grinded to get to that success point. Well, somebody in your area that, that you know well, a, a guy like Jeff Ruby, Jeff who's, Ruby a legend, yeah. who's a legend in Cincinnati. Um, and and the, one, the first time that I ate at his restaurant on the water there in Covington. Yeah, waterfront. Unbelievable dining experience. You walk in, there's all these pictures of and, – and, and growing up, a Reds fan – and still being a Reds fan and a Bengals fan, you know, Cincinnati, for us in West Virginia, Cincinnati is is the destination place because we're technically in the Reds and Bengals market, so to speak. And so I walk into Jeff Ruby's place on the waterfront and there's all these pictures of Sparky Anderson and Johnny Bench and Pete Rose and guys that I just grew up idolizing. You know, Tommy Lasorda, the late Hall of Fame Dodger manager, just passed away here a couple of months ago. Um but Ruby built that reputation in Cincinnati. And, and then you have the Montgomery Inn. You have legendary restaurants in Cincinnati that built their reputations just from years of consistency and doing it the right way. But even those, to your point, Ryan, and I think it's a beautiful point, even those restaurants that have had years of success are, are continuing to accelerate. They're continuing to to have that acceleration where they're going, you know what? We probably put a ton of money in the bank, but that's not going to help us going forward if we want this restaurant to be around another 25, 30, 40 years. And so, man, I, I love that. I had to mention that about, about Jeff Ruby because he, he is an icon 
in Cincinnati in the restaurant business. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he's got great food. So, and and I love Montgomery Inn, man. I, you know, the first time I went to Montgomery Inn, I was like, "This is Montgomery Inn." And then you bite into those ribs, and like, "This is Montgomery Inn." Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember, you, like you were saying too, just going as a kid. You know, all the all the pictures of all the sports athletes and the stars and things on the walls, and you're like, "Wow, you know, Bob Hope ate here." You know, this is pretty cool. You know. Yeah, that was the place to go in Cincinnati. Let's take another break, and we'll come back and tell the rest of Ryan's incredible story here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, everybody. Brian Sexton. want you to go check out my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was the ultimate connector and the ultimate intentional encourager. And he shared with me 10 connecting lessons that I'm going to share with you in this book, interwoven with stories and personal anecdotes that will help you really see what connecting is truly all about. If you want to be a more powerful, stronger, deeper connector, whether you're in ministry or leadership or sales, you own a business, whatever you want to do that connects you with people and you want to connect with them stronger, deeper, and more powerfully, People Buy From People is for you. I want you to go to Amazon.com and search People Buy From People, Brian Sexton. It's available in paperback and Kindle. And coming soon, excited about this, coming soon to Audible. Thank you in advance for picking up a copy of People Buy From People. And now let's get back to a great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Back here on the Intentional Encourager podcast with my guest, Ryan Nicely. Ryan, let's pick up your story from here. 2001, you're doing your company on the side. Take me through the next several years. Did you find yourself conflicted a lot of times in in saying, my primary job is this and I'm going to give it my all, but man, there's some exciting things over here in my company that I want to do. How did you maintain that balance while you were working full-time in your regular job and your side hustle? Well, yeah, I did. I mean, I I was completely dedicated to the company that I was working for, so that was definitely my primary uh, focus. Um, And it would come and go. Again, you know, I wasn't putting a tremendous amount of effort in it, and like I would said before, I was kind of like going in a lot of different directions. I would do some IT work you know, some consulting work, some point of sale work. Um, so I was, I was conflicted over the years, but really um, closer to the, to the end, I guess there, or really the beginning, depending on how you want to look at it. I, I was getting older. I was starting to kind of start to have those thoughts about, well, if you're really going to go do this and go work for yourself and, and, and you know, be an entrepreneur, right, you're kind of running out of time it's kind of reaching that point where you need to kind of either do it or not do it. And right about that time I was introduced, uh, well, what happened was one of the software products that I was selling got purchased by a process, a payment processing company. Mm -hmm. And, and what happened was I was the only dealer in Ohio. So all of a sudden I had all these payment processing reps that were out selling credit card, pulling 50 doors a day, right. Doing that Mm -hmm. traditional numbers game. And they were referring me for the point of sale side of it. 
and that's really how I got introduced really to the restaurant side of things. Cause I so all of a sudden, so all of a sudden you are now, you're taking in because you are the dealer in the state of Ohio mm-hmm. by, by this purchase. So, you know, it, what, what a great scope of good fortune. But it almost seems like a double-edged sword because the leads, it seemed like the leads were just coming in fast and furious. Did you ever find yourself in a moment where you were like, I am seriously overwhelmed right now? Because I would have to think if that was coming my way, I would be like, oh, wow. Okay, well, let's. how do we handle this? Yeah, well, they weren't coming in that fast and furious. They were just coming in at a much better clip than they had been. Right. Because okay. now all of a sudden I had boots on the ground that were out there referring me and I never had that before, you know, before. Yeah. You just, were a one man just, band, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, it was that kind of opened my eyes a little bit to, oh, I can see some possibilities here. Right. And uh, uh, through those interactions, I was introduced to uh, another uh, a girl here locally who came from the restaurant space. And, um, we kind of connected and, and, and got together and, and started doing some collaborative work for a few years. And, um, and that's really how I got hyper-focused on restaurants, uh, and worked with a couple different restaurant products. And, um, I, had, at that point, that's when I stepped away from my, what was being my former employer and um and decided i was going to go kind of do this simple tech thing full bore full time and um was that a hard was that a hard decision for you to walk in the door at that company you've been there since college oh Oh, yeah you had been there since college now now it's it's what uh tell me take me to the year that that you decided to take your company full time yeah, it was something that I'd been talking about for a while, talking to my wife about for a while, and, and it was extremely scary um, and a very difficult conversation to, to walk in, like you said, and have. And um, I, I toiled with it for probably several weeks, trying to talk myself out of it, trying to talk myself into it, and, and really rationalizing it. But, you know, what it came down to was I didn't want to have regret. I didn't want to look back when I was, you know, 80, 90 years old and think, well, what, what if I would have done this? You know, what would have happened? So I figured, you know, worst case scenario, if I fail, I can get a job again. And, uh, the day I decided to do it, my wife called, usually if, if I was running late, I would get the call. Where are you? Uh, dinner's ready kind of thing. And, and um, I called her. I said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to be running a little bit late. And she said, well, what's going on? I said, well, I'm going to go talk to, you know, Frederick. And all she said was, uh, you got this. And uh, so that was a, a very kind of a surreal moment. I walked in, sat down with the owner who had given me so much over, you know, the 24 years that I worked there, uh, in so many ways, financially, uh, just personal growth, uh, education and so forth. And, um, we had a great conversation, about a two hour conversation. And, you know, he more or less told me, thanks for everything. 
we hate to see you go. We wish you wouldn't go, but, um, you know, I understand what you want to do. And, and they basically became a customer of mine. And from that point in, until this day, they are still a customer uh, of Simple Tech. And, and I still manage uh, IT and, and different things for them. And uh, that, made, that made the whole process a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And uh, it's been a great relationship. Because that just doesn't happen a lot of times. It no. just does not happen that that a, a a former employer becomes a customer. That that's a, that's a testament to you, my friend. That is a big time testament. Take me through, and you may have already done this, but take me through the biggest obstacle, whether personally or professionally, that you faced, and what was the greatest lesson that you learned from it. Well, I think probably. Ah, there's so many, man. I've grown just so much over the past four years or five years or so, professionally and personally. Um, and I think probably the biggest obstacle in a lot of ways was just my myself, my mindset. And, um, you know, I mentioned the, the, the sales process and not really looking at myself as a salesperson. Um, really having sort of a negative connotation in my mind about what a salesperson was um, and really working through that on my own and realizing that it's not about trying to trick somebody into buying something they don't need. It's really about helping people, which is what I've always done my entire life. And when I really kind of had that epiphany, I mean, it was some days I was out there <laughs> It was not a good day sitting in my car. Like, what am I doing? Uh, many sleepless nights. Uh, but when I kind of had that moment when I was like, you know, this is who you are and you yeah. need to embrace who you are. You, you're patient. You love to help people. You're honest to a fault. You're good at what you do. Yeah. And, and, and you mean well by it. So embrace those factors. And when I did that, it kind of like just flipped the switch. The light came on and, and really things started to change for me drastically in that regard. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I know, Ryan, that there are some folks out there that are saying to themselves the same thing. I'm not a salesperson. I don't think of myself that way and things like that. Leave the folks today. And, and I've loved this conversation, man. We This has been so good. Thank you for um, for doing this, the, oh, you know, walking down me. memory lane, man, has just been fun too, but share with folks, your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Um, I'd say, you know, believe in who you are, figure out what you want to do and, and get really, really focused on doing that and, and have patience and faith that it will work out. Uh, it's not easy. Um, and it's not for everyone, yeah. but if it's what you want, um, then you should absolutely go for it. I, I, I'm so excited that I did. I, uh, wouldn't change anything about it. I, I've grown so much as a father, as a husband, as a person and professionally, and I'm still growing every day. Uh, I'm a better person for it. The only regret that I have is that I didn't do it sooner. Man, 
Such good advice. Such good advice. Ryan, tell folks where they can connect with you, um, connect with your company. There may be somebody out there going, I need some good POS. I yeah. need a great POS system. Tell folks where they can connect with you and find you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm located right here in Cincinnati, Ohio, right on the border of Kentucky and Cincinnati, uh, Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana. Um, you can reach me online at simpletechllc.com is my website. Uh, on LinkedIn, my email is ryan, R-Y-A-N, at simpletechllc.com. Uh, we represent two, actually soon to be three, restaurant point-of-sale products. And we also have a, a retail POS product that, that works for the retailers and e-commerce platforms. That's awesome. I'm, I am, uh, forgive me. I was, I was taking some notes there while we were, while you were chatting. So go to LinkedIn, find him Ryan nicely and, uh, outstanding hair, by the way, I am having some hair envy at the moment because I, I'm kind of stuck with this, you know, so outstanding hair, you know, the, his LinkedIn picture is definitely worth the, the going to and finding him. Ryan Nicely, what a joy it's been to have you today. Thank you for joining us on the Intentional Courage Podcast. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll enjoy all the other episodes of the Intentional Encourager podcast, releasing each Tuesday and Friday. You can get those by subscribing wherever you get podcasts. Until next time, remember, anyone, any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.